brand new episode of Trail Talk SA. I'm Brad Brown. Thank you so much for joining me on this trail running podcast. And we've chatted to him before on the show here, uh, but chatting to him again. Got a big race coming up. And uh, Daniel Rowland joins us from Santiago in Chile uh, to chat a little bit about a race he'll be running in Peru. He also, this week, uh, gives us some amazing tips. If you're a new trail runner, Daniel gives you five tips uh, to bear in mind when you get into trail running. And also, if you're looking at running your first multi-day stage race. So perhaps you're a bit more advanced as a trail runner. You've run a couple of one-day races, and now you're looking at doing one of the biggies, uh, a multi-day stage race like the Okrabis possibly, uh, or the Atacama. Who knows? Uh, that's one that Daniel has won. He gives us five tips on what you need to bear in mind when doing a multi-day stage race. Some awesome, awesome advice. That's coming up on this edition of Trail Talk SA. My name's Brad Brown. Let's sit back, relax, and enjoy the interview with Daniel. Well, we've had him on the show a few times before, and it's an absolute pleasure to welcome him back on. We head to uh, Santiago in South America once again. Daniel Roland. Daniel, welcome on to the show. Thanks for, for taking the time to chat to us. Uh, it's always great to catch up. Yeah, thanks, Brad. I, I love chatting to you and, and uh, giving an update on how things are going with my training and racing. It's, it's great to have a forum to do that. Daniel, I was, I was just trying to think when, when last we did chat, and I think it was just after your, your victory in uh, Ukrabis. I think that was the last time we spoke, and you, I think you had just headed back uh, to Chile as well. And uh, it's been a, a pretty interesting couple of months so far, hasn't it? Yeah, that, that was exactly when we did speak. Um, and since then, I, I've been initially training. I was hoping to go and race in the Sahara, um, and I had some trouble with my training and, and struggled a little bit and decided to move the goal out to later in the year. So I, I refocused for the Peru um, Jungle Ultra, which is the race that I'm going to be doing now in May. Uh, I've done a few local races in Chile, which was a lot of fun. Um, but since since last year when we spoke, my training's been going well, and, and I'm back on, on target and focusing well. I think before we get on to, to the next race, I think that's quite an important point to, to, to chat about is, is often, and, and it's not just with, with elite runners, but I think a lot of guys that, uh, that hang out at the back of the pack, and I'm using myself as an example, where you, you might set a goal and it could be a, a pretty big goal and you're working towards it and things happen, whether it be in your control or out of your control, that you, you, you maybe need to, to realign and, and reassess those goals. How do you deal with, with that sort of disappointment? Because obviously you had set your sights on, on that Sahara. And uh, I mean, how did you deal with wrapping your head around going forward from, from deciding not to do it? Well, the Sahara race was relatively quickly after um, Okrabi's. Uh, I say relatively because it would have been two uh, large training cycles for me. And I usually like to do uh, three training cycles into these big races. And um, at the end of the first one, uh, I really struggled on my big block a week, which is a simulation week. Uh, my legs were sore, and I think I just didn't have enough recovery time after Okrabi's. Um, these multi-stage races, certainly on my body, are very demanding. It's the, the long distance, uh, being uncomfortable where you sleep, and not getting enough nutrition during that week. And I didn't give myself enough time to bounce back. So it was, it was a tough decision when the training wasn't going as I'd hoped. But um, when, when I thought through it, it's important for me to race in the best condition that, that I can be in and for me to be confident and prepared to do well. 
and that's that's something that I enjoy about racing. And I thought after that time that I was struggling in the block that I wouldn't be in that position on the start line at the Sahara. And that's how I justified it to myself and, and why I decided to move on and do something different is that I didn't feel that I would be giving my best in the race. So, yeah, a difficult process, but um, I came came around and found a new goal quite quickly, and that's what got me motivated again. Yeah, Daniel, it, it's funny. I mean, it's it's awesome to hear you say that because, I mean, we were just chatting off here, and, and I'm struggling with the same sort of thing where I've got a, a big race that I've I've set my sights on, but I'm battling with a bit of injury. And, and it's almost like you want to walk away to fight another day because you could, you could have gone to run that Sahara, but who knows what would have happened. You could have broken down with injury because you had, had sort of overdone it or, or, or sort of done too much running too soon. And, and sometimes it's a wise decision to back off, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. I think... We need to consider that all the costs and things that go into it. Obviously, there's a, a financial cost of traveling to the race, but it's a big personal investment to put the time into train, to make all the sacrifices, to to stick to your diet, and to do the early morning runs. And I think that we should always try and consider whether the benefit and the the joy that we're going to get out of the race justifies that cost. Uh, and for me. I didn't think that the running in the Sahara and not feeling at my best and not being confident that I could do a race that fairly reflects my ability uh, wasn't worth the cost of, of money and time getting ready for it. So it's always trying to balance those things out, whether, whether making those sacrifices are worth it. Um, and, and this time I didn't think it was. So uh, I decided not to do the race, as I said, and uh, I'm quite pleased with that decision. It was hard to make at the time, but in retrospect, a good one. All right, and 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 uh, your body body at the moment, you just uh, starting a taper because, uh, as you mentioned, you're off to Peru next month to do uh, another big race there. Tell us a little bit about that race. Yep, the race I'm doing next year. Oh, sorry, next month is um, the Jungle Ultra, and it's organised by Beyond the Ultimate, uh, who put on a series of races: one in the jungle, uh, one in the snow in Sweden. I think there's a mountain ultra somewhere in the U.S. and a desert race, I think, is in Namibia. So this is one of the um, series of four races, and it's in the, the jungle of Peru. It starts near uh, Cusco, which is near Machu Picchu, um, at about 3,000 meters of altitude. But it very rapidly descends into the Amazon jungle. And it's a five-stage race and 230 kilometers so it's uh, something new for me. I've run in the desert before, but never in the jungle. So that's something that I'm quite excited about and something that I'd quite like to see and experience. Yeah, I was going to say, Danny, I mean, you've, you've done quite a bit of desert running. Uh, I mean, we've spoken before about uh, where you're staying at the moment and how you love that it's just so uh, accessible for you to get into some really remote sort of desert running to train for, for these sort of things. How different is this run in Peru going to be to what you used to in, in the dry sort of desert? I'm taking it's going to be quite, quite humid in, 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 the, in, in the jungle. Yeah, it's going to be very hot and very humid. Those are some of the biggest challenges. And um, there's 70 river crossings during the race, which you obviously don't face in a desert ultra. So um, the conditions will be quite different. But the format of the race is similar to, to what I've done in the past. It's a self-sufficient race. It's uh, five stages. The distance is quite similar, 230 kilometers. So I feel quite confident that, that I've learned lessons about the race format and that what I'll have to adapt to are the, the conditions. Um, it's not so easy to, to prepare for those, but at the same time, I, I have been running 
in the heat of the day to get used to the, the heat. And I've also been doing um, Bikram yoga in a very hot room that gets quite humid uh, to just try and acclimatize my body a little bit to that uh, jungle conditions. Daniel, one of the things that, that I've picked up with, with you and your training is you, you do a lot of block training where uh, a lot of it is like race simulation. And Talk us through pretty much what you've had to do as, as far as those blocks go. I know you've just come off one now uh, and, and you're about to start your tape. And I was also quite surprised that your tape is quite long, but you, you call it a, uh, something slightly different. Tell us a little bit about the last block you did and, and this tape leading up to, to the race. Yep. So I try and do... Uh, three big block weeks of training uh, before a race. And the idea is that um, it's a mini simulation of the race. So in in the Jungle Ultra, the stages are going to be uh, four stages of about 35 kilometers and then a long stage of 90 kilometers. So what I do is a, a block week and uh, I try and run four days consecutively. And um, the structure is similar to the the race. So it would be three days of about three hours running and then the last day a long day of six hours running. And during that block I wear my pack at the race weights. So on the first day I start with the, the pack at about six and a half kgs and slowly whittle that down as if I'm eating all the food in my pack during the race. So it's very um, specific training. Um, I try and make sure that the, the format of the block week is similar to the race and also that I'm training with the right food and that I'm training with the right equipment. So it's um, both a chance to test my equipment and my strategy for the race and also to get my body ready for it. So I I do three of those, and I finished one last week. It's always a a tough week, but uh, it went pretty well. So that makes me feel positive about the race. All right, fantastic. And and then the, the taper, you, you were joking uh, before we, we, we started recording, saying that you're one of those guys who actually loves the taper. I, I said to you, I'm also built to taper. If I could taper all the time, I would. Uh, t- tell us a little bit about the from now to, to, to the race with regards to your taper. How are you doing it? Yep. So with those three blocks, um, they come after a five-week period of training. So now that I've done three blocks, it means that I've been through about 15 weeks of quite focused training uh, gradually building up my speed and strength um, and that's quite a long period so my taper is also fairly long at about four weeks to account for that and um, in the taper for me the idea is that it's a chance to be really specific and put in all the final details that are required for a um, a multi-stage race so I have a little bit of extra time to uh, prepare my pack and make sure that my food and all my gear is ready also just to relax and, and let my legs recover from that hard work. Uh, why it's a bit different is uh, we we'll call it a speed taper. So I still do intervals and some heel work, still do a little bit of work with the pack just to make sure that my body stays used to it and having the weights on my shoulders. Um, but I, I cut down the volume quite significantly. So I'm recovering and um, building up my body and compensating and adapting to all the training I've done, at the same time throwing in a few little stimulus um, runs and sessions to make sure that I stay sharp and ready to race. All right, fantastic. And and then sort of uh, long-term plans. Uh, I know you, you were out in SA uh, towards the end of last year for Krabi's. Uh, any plans to, to head back this way anytime soon? Yeah, I think I would like to head back to Krabi's again this year. That's uh, definitely on, on the cards. I had such a fantastic time there uh, last year. Um, it was a great race. I got to run with my dad and brother in the race, which was fantastic. And um, 
a lot of people said that it wasn't that hot in Okrabi's last year, so we had it easy. And I think uh, I'd like to go back and, and take on a, a hot year, perhaps. <laughs> I say that now. I don't know if I really want that. But um, that's something that I'm planning to do later in the year. So the big focus is for me for this year, um, as it stands right now, is the, the Jungle Ultra next month. And I'd like to go back and do uh, Okrabi's, which is in October this year. Fantastic. Daniel, I also asked you to do, do me a little bit of homework, uh, which you've done. I'm, I'm pretty chuffed that you did, but I, I wanted to ask you it as well. So we've got, uh, got it on audio for, for people who, who would like to hear it as well. We, we've chatted quite, quite extensively about trail running with you here on, on the show. And I wanted to, to, to sort of just touch on, on some tips because often newbies sort of getting involved in the sport don't really know where to start. They don't have anybody to ask about trail running. And uh, you managed to put together five tips for newbie trail runners uh, and what they can do to, to sort of get going in the sport of trail running. And do, you want, do you want to run through those for us? Yeah, for sure. Um, so, so here are five uh, tips, five things that I, I came up with that, that I sometimes struggle with or some things that I weren't aware of when I started training. So the first is to be aware of unusual stresses on your body. Um, trail running is often different to uh, road running because of the obstacles we have to run over, the uneven terrain. Uh, you might be running on a little bit of a camber. The fact that we have to go around trees and move from side to side. And that movement in the frontal plane, the side to side movement, is quite different to the normal a sagittal plane, the forward-backward movement when we're just running on the road. So different muscles may start to ache, uh, often in your lower legs and the calves, uh, because your foot is not always in the same plane and it's moving differently to what you're used to. So that's the first challenge, something to be aware of. Just take it easy when you first get into trail running because <clears throat> you're, you're going to be using different muscles and um, it, you might find pains in unusual places. And my second tip is to be prepared for running hills and to do lots of climbing. Trail races seem to be gravitating towards a lot more climbing, a lot of the sky marathon type uh, format, and um, the climbs are often quite steep and sharp, and that's something that you want to be prepared for in your training and to get used to. At the same time, it's fantastic to do a lot of climbing because you get to get up to high points with great views, and, and usually those are the best trails to be running on anyway. Uh, the third tip is just to be conscious of where you're going and your surroundings. Um, I sometimes find that when I'm running on the trails, I might cross another trail that looks exactly the same as the one I'm on, and there's no signpost, and there's no way to know which is the trail that I should be following or which is the way to go home. And if you zone out or you get into that sort of hard effort rhythm of running, uh, you might miss where you're going or get lost. So just just stay aware and stay awake and, and um Make sure that you know where you're going and that you can find your way home. Uh, another tip is to think about your run um, in terms of time and don't try and estimate the time based on a pace. So, um, for example, you might find it quite easy to run five-minute kilometers on the road and uh, therefore assume that a, a 10K run is going to take you <clears throat> about 40 minutes, 45 minutes, but on the trail, that's not always the case. When there's hills thrown in and you get lost on the, on the different trails or you're running in tough terrain that's quite thick and slow to get through, that same 10K could take you up to two hours. So be careful on estimating how long a run is going to take. And finally, the last tip is just to consider the equipment that you take with you. There's no street lights on the trails, so if you get caught in the evening out on the trail, it might be quite useful to have a headlamp. Also, 
we run up hills and, and end up on exposed ridges or on mountain tops where it can be very windy or it can be cold and rainy. So it might be useful to have a jacket or something like that. So uh, there are five tips. I uh, hope you find them useful. Awesome. Gee, that was, that was fantastic. Daniel, and then so, uh, one thing I love about trail running, you mentioned that a lot of races are sort of gearing up and becoming more hilly and, and that sort of thing. But one thing I love about trail is that there's something for everyone. And, and obviously, you've sort of found your groove in the, the multi-day stage race sort of things. Some people just prefer maybe the, the shorter one-day things or the longer one-day things. But there are more and more people that are looking into doing multi-day stage races. What advice or the same sort of thing? I mean, five tips for for people who are, are, are thinking or, or just getting into multi-day stage races, what, what should they look out for? Yeah, that's 100% true. I think there's so many more people who are getting into multi-stage races. And since I've been doing them, I've seen the fields get bigger. And at the same time, a lot more races are occurring because there's a, a big demand. So I would definitely encourage it. It's a fun way to go on an adventure, to travel somewhere new. Um, but there are a few things that you need to, to think about. So here we go with the tips. The first one um, is to include race-specific training in your preparation. And we chatted about this a little bit earlier, um, talking about my block weeks, which are a simulation for the race. But it's important to remember that if you're doing a multi-stage race, you're going to be running on consecutive days and that the distance and accumulated fatigue is going to have a big impact on your body. So it's definitely worthwhile trying to simulate that in training. Um, if you don't have the luxury of doing that during the week, you could perhaps do a, a shortest run on a Friday afternoon and then two long runs on Saturday and Sunday, which would be almost a mini stage race in itself, um, just to get your body used to that, the demands of tri uh, stage racing. Um, the second thing is to consider your, your equipment very carefully. If you're going out on a, a seven-day multi-stage desert race and your backpack breaks or starts chafing on stage one, you're going to be in for a very, very tough event. So you want to be comfortable with your equipment, confident that it will last the length of the race, and uh, happy that it's going to be something that will um, accompany you on a great adventure. Uh, the third tip is to develop and practice a recovery routine. So the stage races, each stage is very challenging in itself. And um, one thing that can help you bounce from the first stage to the next is to make sure that you're recovering effectively. There's lots of ways to recover, and everyone has their own uh, preferences. Uh, you need to have a recovery shake, perhaps put on some compression gear, make sure that you're sleeping well. And the idea is to just find a routine that works for you, a routine that's repeatable after each stage, and that will help you be in the best shape when you're on the start line of the following stage. Um, my next tip is to pace yourself to based on the entire length of the event. Um, <clears throat> it's important to remember that going out very hard on stage one might leave you in a death march or sort of procession at the end of the race because you've used up all your energy and, and used up all the training that you put in for the race. So try and start off a little bit slower and remember that there's always time and chances to catch up later in the race. In the races that I like to do, the fourth or fifth stage is often a very long stage and you don't want to um, use up all your, your energy and, and resources and, and um, preparation in the first three stages before you hit that long stage not be able to run well there. And then the final point is to just be aware of how long the event is. Uh, what I mean by this is that the stage race may be 200 kilometers, but 
it might be over five stages and uh, six days. And it's important to consider and, and get yourself in a state of mind that um, is cognizant of the fact that you're going to be away from home in a quite harsh environment for six days. And it's, um, that's something that you need to be prepared for mentally. Fantastic. Daniel Rowlands, I uh, appreciate all your tips. I think there's some, some absolute gems in there. I want to wish you all the best uh, for your journeys to Peru as well and all the best for that, for that race as well next month. Fantastic. Thanks so much, Brad. And uh, hopefully I'll be able to chat to you after the race and maybe give you a little update. Yeah, sounds fantastic. Daniel, what I'll do as well is I'll pop your details on the show notes for this episode as well to your website, also social media. If people want to follow you and connect online that way, they can do that as well. So appreciate your time and, uh, and all the best. Thank you very much, Brad. Take care. What an awesome chat. An amazing, amazing dude. Daniel Rowland, thank you so much for your time and all the best. Safe travels. And uh, we'll be watching that race uh, eagerly. If you want to find out what Daniel's up to or where you can get in touch with him on social media or online, just check out the show notes for this edition of Trail Talk SA. Uh, all his details are in there as well. And uh, yeah, just as always, love chatting to Daniel. What a what a cool dude. Just uh, really accessible, really nice guy and a blimmin' good runner to boot. So best of luck, Daniel. Uh, looking forward to catching up with you when you head back to Peru uh, to Chile rather from Peru so until next time from myself Brad Brown be in touch podcast at trailtalksa.co.za is the email address you can also tweet us at trailtalksa or you can follow us on Facebook as well until then cheers <laughs>